welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, today we have a returning guest. We're excited to have him back, Senator Jerry Sonnenberg, who is the state senator in Colorado. Welcome back, Senator. Oh, it's always great to be with you rock stars. Thank you for the opportunity to come on your podcast with you. We're excited to have you back. And um, when we first asked you to return to our show, um, we had we had an entirely different topic um, ready for you to talk about. But in the five days since we got in touch with you, um, things have really sort of blown up in Colorado agriculture and uh, policymaking. And so we're just going to we're going to we're going to have an update from you and see where this conversation goes, because it's much, much broader ranging than we had anticipated at the beginning. So um, thank you for being here. Well, well, thank you. And, and uh, I, I don't want to preach the whole time here. I want to have a discussion. But there are a number of things that people need to understand, uh, things that are going on in Colorado that should be concerning to agriculture. Now, meat out is obviously one of those, and it may be the last straw for our agriculture community and our reputation as a state, quite honestly. Uh, when you talk about meat out and the governor's uh, uh, proclamation that March- can you, can you tell our listeners what meat out is? What, oh, where did this come from? Absolutely. Uh, the governor uh, made a proclamation uh, that declared March 20th a state holiday. And that state holiday is a holiday in which Coloradoans would be encouraged not to eat meat. So a meat out day. Um, it's interesting because uh, the governor's response is to, to my objections has been, well, I do hundreds of these. I do thousands of proclamations. Uh, this really isn't a big deal. And I said, well, in those other proclamations, you don't put information that may not be 100% accurate in a proclamation that attacks an industry and declare that as a proclamation. For example, would you do a proclamation that says, we are not going to ski on one day here in February and because of the environmental benefits of a no ski day and no cars driving through the mountains? Well, that's absolutely silly, just as silly as this proclamation that uh, calls for a meet out day. But the, the interesting part of this is this is this is a systematic attack over the last two years. I, I actually don't care what you eat. If you want to be a vegan, you know what? I support you and whatever you want to do. If you want a balanced diet like me that utilizes all different sites, uh, uh, poor, uh, proteins, uh, wonderful. If you want to do something in between, that's great. This isn't about what you eat. This is more about an attack on an industry over the last two years. And you can talk about, uh, 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 was it a year or a year and a half ago when he uh, uh, force fed the uh, entire department of ag, uh, an impossible burger, and it's one thing to go out there and says, we ought to look into this. We ought to have this discussion with our agriculture. But no, let's have a press release and let's make it a big deal that we're doing this. And then, of course, agriculture called him out and says, look, 
we also have another industry as well that is important. Uh, we can talk about during his COVID uh, briefings, when he talked about uh, uh, we shouldn't be using antibiotics in animals. And I don't know how you get that tie to a COVID briefing, but he made that assertion. And so I'm thinking to myself, first of all, he doesn't know anything about antibiotics in animals. Would he rather our animals die than become sick? Because animals do get pneumonia, they get uh, sore feet, whatever it may be. Then there are times when we have to use antibiotics to keep animals healthy. Would he rather they die than us use antibiotics? Uh, it, these are simple little things that have continued to poke the eyes at agriculture. And I can go through a whole slew of them. We can talk about bills in the legislature that are up that uh, are gonna harm agriculture. One of them obviously uh, that uh, uh, we had talked about possibly was, uh, was a labor bill. We can talk about a ballot initiative that is coming forward. Will the governor support those attacks on agriculture or well, or will he actually stand up for all the people in the state of Colorado and what is now the number one industry with the driving out of oil and gas and over $40 billion, the agriculture industry, will he stand with those that want to attack agriculture industry and bring our industry to a halt? That's what's frustrating. Where is this coming from? What is his motive or why, why is it agriculture or, and I guess oil and gas that seem to be the hot topics at the Capitol right now and, and where legislation or proclamations are being made against? Well, Valine, that's a great question. And, and I can't speculate or I shouldn't speculate on where it's coming from. We got to look a little bit at his, I think he calls him his wife, uh, the first husband, first gentleman, whatever that is, uh, Mr. Reese, who is somehow became an integral part of, of government, at least when it came to COVID vaccinations. He got his COVID vaccination before uh, teachers and other people because of his essential uh, uh uh, what did the governor call him? His essential role in government and government uh, uh, policy. Uh, obviously, with his background and what uh, he has uh, uh, worked on against anti-animal agriculture, I can only assume that at least has some bearing on this. I don't know where it's all coming from. Uh, I worry about uh, outside states, as we saw in the Wolf Bill, uh, that attack on agriculture and the ballot initiative there as well. Uh, outside uh, money, outside influences, uh, I think those also have an influence on, uh, on what has happened at the Capitol, not only with the governor's office, but leadership in both chambers. So this isn't this isn't just a one and done thing. I mean, you've made it pretty clear that this is becoming a very systematic attack on, on agriculture, particularly animal agriculture in Colorado. What do we do? What do we do about this? We've got you at the Capitol um, and you're sort of a lone voice in the sea of um, legislators as far as being from an agricultural background and, and understanding the kind of impacts that this type of uh, 
activity is oh you're so kind (laughs) (laughs) i was taught well (laughs) so this activity is engendering um what i guess what are you doing to be i mean what how how are you how are you fighting the good fight on capitol hill and then we'll ask um what can the rest of agriculture be doing well, I and mean, it's a great question. And of course, you've known me a long time. Um, and uh, you have seen my passion uh, towards agriculture and defending agriculture and defending rural Colorado. And uh, if you saw the news Friday or any of the videos out on social media, uh, you know, you saw me lose my temper. Um, something that I try to ta- train ag leaders uh, not to do, to maintain, maintain uh, their ability to maintain their professionalism. And I, and, and, and I got angry. Uh, um, so I continue to be passionate. Uh, but yes, I'm not sure I'm moving the needle uh, the way I used to. Uh, over half of the Democrats, uh, that side of the aisle, uh, left the chamber while I was giving my talk uh, while I was asking for help for agriculture on that uh, uh, Senate discussion uh, during my moment of, uh, of uh, personal privilege. Um, so, and that's, that's part of the frustration is nobody cares to listen. Nobody wants to be helpful. What I will tell you is that because of what has happened, because of maybe me losing my temper, which actually made the news where maybe it wouldn't have made the news before, I don't know. The farmers and ranchers across this state that used to keep their nose to the grindstone and just wanted to produce the food and the fiber and the energy uh, for not only their country and our state, but worldwide as we export our products, as we have tried to do that and remain isolated from politics. This has woken them up and saying, we are not gonna stand for this any longer. There are events scheduled all over the state on March 20th, that now is also a meet in date. Don't need a proclamation for that. Farmers and ranchers across the state have rallied together. We're gonna do barbecues and and have speakers and, and rally together on how strong and how important agriculture is uh, in, to, to our state. Uh, it's interesting the amount of people that have reached out and wanted to do something. And, and it's hard to coordinate this and try and get everybody on the same page, but the message is the same. Agriculture is important and we're gonna continue no matter what policymakers say, we're going to continue to meet the needs of the consumer because that's what agriculture does. Agriculture adapts to what the consumer wants, uh, whether it's uh, grass-fed beef. As that increases, livestock producers produce more of that to make sure that meets the needs of the consumer. If you want some other product, uh, uh, antibiotic-free animals, we meet those needs because the consumers drive what agriculture does. And we will continue to do that. Agriculture, I would say, is one of the best 
adaptees to the uh, uh, current environment, whether it's mother nature or politics or consumers to meet those needs. And we will continue to do so. And agricultures across Colorado are gonna step up and say, hey, this is important. We are an important industry and you need to listen to what you are doing to us. I think that's a great first step, at least into standing up for ourselves and and that sort of thing. Um, and I saw Weld County posted, even the um, government page posted, they're having their own meet out. So that's refreshing to see some of these local governments that understand that these processors and agriculture are one of the biggest industries in the state of Colorado. Um, and we've got to support them if we want to continue to have jobs and and activity on top of continuing to feed the world this is this is important but how do we how do we get that continue to get that message to our i think you mentioned on our last podcast our city cousins or our our um you know urban neighbors that have no idea or you know they voted on the wolf bill because it sounded all good but they just don't have those facts how do we get our heads out of the sand and go influence those people. Cause right now we're not going to influence the governor or politics, especially in the, you know, extreme climate we're in, but how do we, how do we meet, reach those people that actually might be movable? And, and, and Valine, you're exactly right. Uh, we have had these conversations before. It's the ultimate question. Uh, honestly, Catherine and I have had these arguments before on how do we move forward? Because obviously continuing to tell our story doesn't seem to be getting there. We seem to be losing ground. At least that's the way we feel in Colorado. If I had the answer to that, by golly, agriculture would be king again. I don't know how we do that other than continue to do what you guys are doing continue to talk with news media because the news media that's where people are getting their information if we can get our message through those type of resources all of a sudden we have more credibility and interestingly enough if you look at the polling agriculture is very high in their credibility people trust what farmers and ranchers say so we need to have more farmers and ranchers saying it, but not saying it to you and I, saying it to those people that need to hear it, that are now two or three generations removed from the farm and ranch. Okay, Catherine, come back at me, because this is usually where we have this discussion that it hasn't been working. What else can we do? How do we make this work? And I'm open to anything. <laughs> Well, you, you took some of the words right out of my mouth, but I'm curious with such blatant opposition to animal agriculture um, from, you know, the highest, the highest office in Colorado and um, with a governor who is likely to be here until he's term limited. So that leaves us with, is it six or six, six more years of this type of. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know what? We do have elections. And if we can educate people and people understand, because this is bigger. What has happened in this state and small businesses is bigger than just agriculture. Agriculture being those businesses absolutely is important. 
But there's an opportunity here in two years to have a referendum on did this governor do it right? We have 50, 50 different experiments on how COVID was handled. And our governor continues to put out emergency declarations given him sole power, even while the legislature is in session and can deal with those. And our leadership in, uh, in both chambers in the legislative branch isn't pushing back. And they're allowing the governor to continue with his ruling with an iron fist. So I do think we have an opportunity in two years. We have an opportunity to talk about this on a regular basis in two years and say, look, we need someone that's going to represent all of Colorado, which includes agriculture and rural Colorado, but all of the things that our urban cousins that we have talked about have had to come up against as well. Schools being closed. And it's fascinating because there's other states that haven't done it this way. Other states that are in just as good a shape or better shape, quite frankly. We were the fourth highest, uh, best economy uh, with unemployment, and now we're fourth from the bottom. We have to look at some of the things the other states have done and find out what works better through these 50 experiments and change direction if you're unhappy with the way things have happened. It's fascinating because rural Colorado has been in school since uh, the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Denver is still struggling to get back into school in-person learning. What does that tell you about how we are different in our, all around the state and the one size doesn't fit all? And hopefully we can find somebody over the next two years that can help carry that message. And I think that's what we have to do. One of the many things we have to do. Right. It's certainly going to take a multi-pronged approach. And the one size um, doesn't fit all, I think, is something that our minds have a hard time wrapping around because the way I think is absolutely right and the way you think is is wrong unless you agree with me. And so trying to find, you know, Catherine and I st started the podcast year and a half ago now and we talked about the beyond um, the beef backlash or whatever. And we really, really tried to give Governor Polis the benefit of the doubt. We need to be more open-minded as beef producers. We need to see these, you know, this this different product and look at okay but time and time again he hasn't reciprocated that to the beef industry we give him a chance he's got to give us a chance and i think this dialogue and the is is lacking and i get so frustrated <laughs> with politics in this sense is because if i have a thought right wrong or indifferent and i want to voice it or ask a question all of a sudden it's it's this way and and we're getting we're not getting as agriculture that opportunity to speak up anymore, at least in, in states like Colorado, California, um, some of those more developed states, I guess. But, and you're exactly right. Uh, that has become a challenge. Um, I think the important thing for us is uh, as we continue to try and give a message that we like and we understand and it's important for us, you still have to be able to find that common ground. 
And I think that's what we have to strive for. Obviously, uh, nobody believes the exact same way as I do. And we shouldn't shun them for that. Even my wife doesn't believe exactly as I do. That doesn't mean I get a divorce because we disagree 10% or 15% or whatever percent that is, nor should we have it that way in Colorado in government. And that seems to be the direction we have gone uh, is if, if we don't agree with the governor, um, all of a sudden we're, uh, well, uh, they're using terms like hateful. That just because I disagree with someone doesn't make me hateful. Just because I disagree means we can have a discussion and figure out, all right, are there things that we can uh, need to better understand about each other? You know, it was interesting with uh, the previous governor, Governor Hickenlooper, you could have those conversations. And if there was a problem we could sit down with one another and say, here's the impact you're having on rural Colorado. And he would try and find common ground to address that problem and not hurt rural Colorado. We don't have that here. This is Washington DC politics brought to the Colorado Capitol. And maybe it's because he was in Congress. Maybe it's because he truly has never had to work a day in his life. Uh, you know, when you have all that money, you don't understand what the middle class has to go through when they're trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills. And you don't understand definitely what agriculture is going through when you have the political pressure, as well as all of the other impacts that are coming to us in agriculture, the fights from out of state that are trying to hamper agriculture. And we need to have those discussions. And he's been unwilling to have those discussions. I don't care if he doesn't have it with me. Obviously, uh, he, he doesn't have want to have those conversations with me, even though I've tried. Uh, when I send him an email, uh, I get the standard, thank you for responding to the governor, or thank you for uh, emailing the governor's office. But he at least ought to have a conversation with the ag groups. You know, Farm Bureau, Farmers Union, Colorado Cattlemen's, Dairy Association, uh, all of those, the pork producers, uh, egg uh, uh, folks, all of those people. Government leaders, maybe not all together, but individually and say, I just want a seat at the table. If we, if we disagree, then we disagree, but let's at least have a conversation. And we're not even getting that conversation. Conversation and politics don't seem to be able to even be said in the same sentence anymore on any level. And, and that just frustrates me and can probably be a whole nother podcast episode in itself. Um, and I don't. Available. <laughs> I'm sorry, Valerie, I shouldn't have entered. No, you're I'm good. I don't even know what other exactly question right. to, to ask at this point because I'm just I'm I'm mind blown and I'm frustrated for an industry that to me means near and dear to my heart. And now that I'm in Idaho, um, even though our headquarters are still in Colorado, the beef my family produces 
ends up going through Colorado at some time, or even if it's not our niche marketing, it still makes it, you know, the ones we sell at the sale barn end up probably at a feedlot in Colorado and end up at JBS or something else. So this implication is bigger than the state of Colorado. And so it, it scares me. And then it could bleed, you know, to other places or, or cause more divide between states too that, that are frustrated by this. Well, Valine, I think you hit the nail on the head on why this has become such a big deal. Uh, as the governor said, it wasn't a big deal to him. It's not a big deal. But what I will tell you is our reputation as a state and our attitude for agriculture has been hurt, not only around the country. It's interestingly enough, I talked to someone this morning that this made the news in Germany. So we have worldwide effects on the attitude that is taken uh, by our governor against agriculture, whether he attended it not or, or so uh, is still up in the air, I guess. The National Western Stock Show is one of those things that we need to talk about and include. Uh, last Friday morning, I got a text message I can't share who it was from, but it was from somebody within the Hereford uh, Association. And those folks uh, uh, heard about this. And the interesting thing is when they heard about it, they started an email string and a text message string that says, we need to have a vote on whether or not we are leaving our annual show at the National Western or moving it. This is the last straw from Colorado. And understand Oklahoma City, when they did Cattle Congress this year in January, because uh, the stock show uh, closed down from the pressure from uh, the health department, um, they started a new show down there and these breeds went and did their annual show in Oklahoma where they're appreciated, where their governor went to the show every day. Cattle Congress made an appearance every day. And then in his state of the state address to the joint session down there in the Oklahoma legislature called out Colorado's anti-ag policies and how they were going to fight for those breeds and inviting those breeds to continue to come to Oklahoma for their annual show. Now we're up against that battle in the National Western Stock Show where we've invested millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to create the Silicon Valley of agriculture, education center, all of those things that the National Western Stock Show grounds because the national shows belong here, need to be here, understand they're welcome here. But the message from the governor is, no, you're probably not welcome here. Agriculture isn't welcome in Colorado. Maybe these breed associations should go someplace where they're more loved. And that has become the message that has been struggling in my heart and in my message. How do we change the perception all across this country that agriculture is still a pro-agriculture, or Colorado is still a pro-agriculture state. Well, and 
beside like put agriculture aside a big event like national western stock show or the ncba conventions that happen every year or you continue to name those ag the econ like they go to downtown denver they eat at elways they eat at those top-notch places they spend money downtown that's going to be gone too well, and the truth is, I've been, the mayor is a little frustrated as well with the governor because uh, uh, the mayor understands those impacts in the National Western and understands the impacts of when you attack agriculture, uh, you also uh, attack his ability to function with the amount of money generated from agriculture in the city and county of Denver. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, uh, the mayor wants this fixed. I don't know how we get it fixed other than I am in contact with the mayor. I'm uh, meeting with some of his staff this week uh, to try and figure out how do we have a path forward? What does he need from me and how can I get him to help me promote agriculture and be a strong voice for agriculture so that the people in Denver understand how important agriculture is as well. Uh, that's how we have to keep having these conversations, especially with those that'll have those uh, visits with us. It's just been unfortunate that this governor won't have those with us. Is there concern in the ag industry, in the animal ag industry in Colorado, um, that given this level of attack, um, that the business and industry that are part of the agricultural sector will start moving out of the state? Well, I'm not sure so much as uh, moving out of the state. That's always a possibility. But if you're trying to recruit new agriculture industries to come into the state and they look at what this state has done and what this governor has said, why would they? Why would a new industry or a, a new uh, uh, industry that's part of agriculture or, or thrives on agriculture come into this state if there's an anti-state leadership or anti-agriculture leadership in the state. Uh, I think you have valid concerns that there, there are issues that uh, we're gonna have to try and address and explain that you know, we truly are a state that loves agriculture, even though our legislature and our governor doesn't, uh, it doesn't look like it. So you've talked about meat out um, and agriculture's response to that. Talk to us about the ballot initiative that um, was recently brought forward and is, is going to end up on the, well, may end up on the ballot um, next time around. What's going on there? There is a uh, ballot initiative that has been filed uh, with the Secretary of State going through title hearings and those type of things uh, before they start gathering signatures that uh, basically defines the lifespan of an animal. For example, they in their initiative, they have cattle at 20 years. And so uh, a cow, they believe, would live to be 20 years and that you can't harvest that cow for meat unless he has reached 25% of that age. So uh, no beef could be harvested unless they're five years old. If those numbers remain the same, 
And quite honestly, yeah. Uh, and then there's another provision in it that would eliminate AI. So no artificial insemination, no palpation. You can't uh, uh, print check. Any of those type of things which require uh, you to uh, do palpation or those type of things inside a cow would be outlawed. So if you had to help a calf in labor, uh, one of the legs was turned back. Uh, as I read that, you can't even do that unless you're a veterinarian trained to be able to uh, uh, help. Uh, and I don't believe a veterinarian, even with the AI and the other stuff, I, I'm I have to look again closer, but I don't believe they even have the ability to artificially inseminate or to preg check, even if they do it uh, manually through uh, palpation or if they use uh, 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 ultrasound. Uh, so uh, those are a couple of things that uh, have become very challenging. Imagine now uh, the, the livestock industry, if you have cattle that are born and they have to be five years old, I mean, that's even longer than grass-fed beef are harvested. Uh, this is nothing more than an attempt to shut down agriculture completely, livestock industry completely in Colorado. And they name uh, hogs. Uh, they, they define the uh, span in hogs, uh, define it in chickens, ducks, uh, all of those different animals as well. So uh, those are the type of attacks we're looking at in Colorado that just go to more of what this state is under and agriculture is under attack. Now, if a governor truly does mean what he says and that he loves agriculture, his actions haven't shown it, but an action to come out and say, this is dumb, you people need to take this off the ballot, that would go a long ways in at least restoring some credibility. The labor bill that's in the, le the legislature that will actually destroy smaller sized egg uh, facilities, uh, the bigger ones may be able to absorb that, that type of regulation. If the governor would come out and say, that's an attack on agriculture, we shouldn't do that, but he hasn't done so. So I don't know, does the governor actually like agriculture? Can you believe what he says? Or will actions speak louder than words here? Or inactions speak louder than words with regard to legislation and ballot initiatives? I think we'll have to wait and see as far as, as, as that goes from coming from the legislature and the governor, I know that agriculture in Colorado certainly will be putting a lot of action to work um, to be trying to counteract what's going on on the executive level. Um, Senator, we have to thank you very much for, for fighting the good fight for us. Thank you for being that voice out there. I know it gets kind of lonely, <laughs> but Thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And um, please, please don't stop as long as you're, you're still in, in office. Well, and thank you. And, and I appreciate those kind words. Um, I will never stop even when I leave office. And the truth is, uh, if I can say one last thing to the people that listen to your podcast is 
we all have to be spokespeople for agriculture now. We all have to have our voice heard. We can no longer just work the farm, take care of the cows. We have to be advocates for our industry as well. And uh, it's gonna take all of us that less than 1% that are in production agriculture to come together. We have a lot of work to do to protect our industry. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you both for the work that you do in trying to educate our urban cousins as well as those in agriculture and to bring these discussions to light. It's always a pleasure to be on your show and I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you anytime. Well, thank you, Senator, again, um, and I can't wait for our next conversation. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please direct message us, or you can even send us an email. Talk to us at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag.